This is The Blood Doctor Show. On a Friday morning, and as we go through Summer League, I'm kind of finally coming out of my NBA Finals coma, hangover, whatever you want to call it, feeling a little bit more like myself again, dealing with the situation as it is. Um, We're getting ready to look forward to next season in both the NBA and the NFL. So today, um, just wanted to take a look at one of the top teams um, in the draft. Um, One of the most interesting teams over the last year, the Houston Rockets, um, a team that we have just watched go from contender to completely rebuilding. Um, And I decided to bring in a friend who knows the Rockets just about as well as anyone. Um, So she's going to talk about what she sees with the team, what she's seen with the team, the future, all that good stuff. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and just bring her in right now. We're going to dive in. Then, uh, later, actually, we're going to have another guest join us, and we're going to discuss some interesting reality TV stuff. So it should be fun. Let's just go ahead and jump in. And joining now, one of my favorite people on NBA Twitter who I have been trying to get on the show forever and who I through various failures of my own part, have not done so, but finally am now doing so. The uh, head coach of the Lady Panthers, is that correct? Correct, amongst other teams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're you're coaching so many teams. Diehard Rockets (laughs) fan in the infamous Rockets room. My friend, Christy Gilmore, what's up? How are you doing this morning? I'm good, how are you guys? I'm, I'm recovering. I'm still in like the, the post, you know how bad it is for me? I've really not even watched Summer League. And I normally I, like, I'm normally like gambling on Summer League and I can't even get myself to watch it right now. I'm so. And no, and I know, and it takes such a long time to get out of those um, funks. And I will say, if anybody can empathize with the heartbreak of it, um, it's me. So um, I definitely felt your pain and all of that. But man, I really truly wanted um, Phoenix to pull that off, like it, with everything in me. So and you, you know, it really is amazing because I'll acknowledge, like prior to coming to Phoenix, like I was a bit of a CP3 hater. Not not like a hater like I am with some other players, but like I was someone who, like I dogged him about the playoff stuff really before he went to Houston. I don't really blame Houston. Was just, I mean, you've got the the you know an all-time great team in golden state right there and the thing with his hamstring like i'm not going to dog him for that stuff but i had been someone who was like oh chris paul blah 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 and when you see what he does for your team it's not when he re-signed for four years i was like fuck yeah i was and i don't care about the money at all it's just what he has done for this team is it's basically immeasurable to me so oh, 100%. Uh, you know, it's I, I imagine you felt somewhat the same way. I know you guys didn't make the finals, but you're on the brink because he comes to town. So yeah, definitely. I mean, like and you hit the nail on the head with him. I mean, there's a lot of times that you don't see what he does in the stat lines. It's it's the leadership, it's the commanding of the floor. I mean, it is just you cannot not respect that man for the way that he runs a team and he is just so calm, cool, and collected. You never see him, you know, kind of get out of his character for the most part. He never seems panicked. And it was just, 
it was so much fun to watch. And I, you know, I really just, I was so bummed that, you know, he, he didn't work out with James. Um, but you know, it is what it is, but I'm glad that, um, he was over there with Monty and they had the success that they did. Cause I mean that the Phoenix team is just, they were so fun to watch this year. They truly, truly were. They gave me a little joy in the midst of, you know, our rockets kind of dark time. So, um, but yeah, I really wish, you know, if anybody is deserving of a ring, it would have been him. And so I really wanted that to happen for, for Phoenix and everything, but, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll, uh, they'll be able to bring it back again and see what they can do. So. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you make one really good point. It's like, if the rockets hadn't overreacted to a year where Chris Paul was injured, and if they had just stayed the course, things probably, I mean, I mean, just because the Westbrook thing was, I mean, an unmitigated disaster, essentially. So <laughs> if they had just held on just a little longer, I, I, I agree. I, if, if anything, all of this has rehabbed Chris Paul's value to the point of now we all see, you know, because what he did in Oklahoma city and everything, but we've all talked all that to death and I'm, I'm with you. Like, I still, I still wish I could understand why James Harden hates Chris Paul so much, but I guess we could ask Blake Griffin. They not, you know, they probably no, absolutely. No. And I honestly, like, I really think that um, Chris Paul is the type of, of person that's going to call you out every single time. I mean, he, you know, and, and it's not in a, in a derogatory way. It's a, Hey, let's get on the same course. And I don't think that, James was used to that. He was so used to having people just kind of hand feed him, you know, go, go with whatever he said. And, um, that was not Chris Paul. So I think it just caused a lot of tension. I mean, you could see it at times. I mean, even just being at the games, I could see them at the, you know, on the bench, um, you know, going at each other, but it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was, not out of the ordinary on a basketball team. You want people on your team to check you like that at times and get you right. back in track. So, right. Um, but I just think it was just something that he didn't care for too much. So, yeah. And it's, I, it's, it's really crazy. That kind of leads into the first question I, I wanted to ask about the Rockets, honestly, because when all of this happened, like when the Harden trade occurred and everything, I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. This is a disaster. I didn't like the return they got. I didn't, I just wasn't, I didn't feel like it was a good thing. Fast forward, what it's like nine, 10 months later, I, the Rockets are in pretty good shape. I mean, not for this season, obviously, but like for the future. And so that, that was kind of the first question I was going to ask you. And it leads into that. The whole Chris Paul thing happens, you know, they trade for Westbrook. Harden doesn't trust the team anymore, whatever it is. He gets traded nine, 10 months later. How are you feeling? Like, how do you feel today looking back at how you felt about the trade return then versus now? Like, do you feel better now? Do you feel the same? Did you always feel good? What are your thoughts today? Well, I'll say this, of course, when it happened, you know, my reaction was just about across the board with anybody. I mean, you were devastated. You didn't, you were almost in denial in a sense, you know, like I cannot believe we watched this man for so many years kind of carry our team. And then now what are we supposed to do? Um, but now 
looking at the, the, the return of the picks that we got, which are, I mean, in my opinion, phenomenal. I am, I'm excited. Okay. Um, I know, like, do I think, oh my God, we're going to win the championship this year? Absolutely not. You know, but to see kind of a, a light at the end of the tunnel a little bit, like, okay, this is the path we're going. I can kind of see now I was talking to somebody yesterday about it and I'm kind of chalking it up to something like how Memphis did. They loaded up with a lot of young core kind of gritty players. And then, you know, um, now, you know, as they've developed, I'm just hoping that nothing is going to happen and we can keep this core together and that they can kind of grow and evolve together over the next few years. And then just hopefully then, you know, we can, add a few more pieces along the way and then just be able to kind of get back to to uh what we know best you know is winning i mean this is this this past year was was dark for us i mean we haven't been you know with a record like that in a very very long time so rockets are basically um, never bad even during the rebuilding the Kyle Lowry, Goran Dragic years <laughs> way back absolutely, when you know like absolutely. 2010 and stuff like they were still a decent team It it definitely is weird. Like for me last year, even, even after the Oladipo trade, I was like, you know what? I kind of like wall and Oladipo and they were playing really good defense for a few games. And I was like, Oh, I actually kind of like this. And then of course it all fell apart. And, but it just, I, and that's probably just Tillman trying to get out of money anyway, whatever. But the point is like, I was just so programmed to believe, Oh, Hey, the Rockets are going to be good. And that's what worries me a little bit about the Steven Silas thing, but we'll get to there. You mentioned the core. Jalen Green, was he your pick going in? Did you want Cade? Were you like, where, where were you coming into the draft? Did you have an opinion? Oh, 100%. Um, I was definitely a uh, green gang for sure, all the way. Um, I just, I feel like with Jalen Green, I mean, first of all, you can't go wrong with. Uh, the the draft suit, you know, the bell bottoms, <laughs> the the uh, the the bling and everything. I just think, you know, not only the the skill. I think his bag is a little bit deeper than Cade. You know, no disrespect, Cade is phenomenal. Enjoyed watching him, but I just think that with Jalen, um, he he already kind of has a little bit of the experience playing, um, you know, in the league already so he's he's a little bit maybe more seasoned than some of these younger guys so I was I'm okay with it and then you know you look at the marketable side of it too I think um Jalen's gonna fit more into like the Houston scene sure um and and um you know he played um I believe who was it he played AAU with one of the one of the guys, I think maybe it was a Kevin Porter or somebody, but, you know, I just think he's going to fit more in our system um, going forward. So I was definitely excited when, when, uh, when he came on the table, but like I said, no, taking nothing away from Cade, but I just think Jalen is going to, for the the vision that um, I'm kind of foreseeing us to have, Jalen is going to be the, the dude for sure. I honestly, I a hundred percent agree that, in terms of like what Houston wants to do, how they want to play, Jalen Green makes more sense. Like, yeah, Houston is kind of one of those cities where I, I'm, I'm, and I'm obviously not from Houston. This is just an outsider opinion, but I mean, like, there's a certain swagger style that all of the sports teams in the city are looking to have, like, 
it's you know obviously the whole Astros thing like uh, I'm not going into the whole whatever scandal I don't care I'm I cheating in baseball is so stupid everyone does it and if you get away with it congratulations to you I don't care right. absolutely so, so I just don't care um but just the way the team is like there's just a certain style to the city. I feel like Jalen Green fits that very well. And I honestly think Cade actually fits very well in Detroit. So I think everything worked out kind of perfectly. Um, maybe not for Killian Hayes. <laughs> maybe he's getting <laughs> he's getting screwed over a little in that deal, but hey, whatever. Um what about the rest of the are you're on board with Kevin Porter then? You you're happy with Wood, all that. You you yeah, like and I think yeah, and I honestly like I think. I think that one thing that we're going to, and, and I look, I have faith in, in stone and everything. Um, I think one thing we're going to definitely need to add is some type of a big man. Okay. Like a, a solid, like kind of traditional big man, because you're surrounding him with, with all of these kind of fast, quick ball handlers. They can, for the most part, all shoot. Right. I don't see Christian Wood as, the the five playing the five like okay. I think he's going to be a happier in a role um in like a stretch four or something like that so okay. um I think adding that type of piece and you know like but the the era of the big man is kind of null and void at this point but um so you you can kind of get away on a team with having just an average role player as a big man. And, and now we did get these. So, you know, I think that he's going to fit that role very well, very well. Um, but I think just having this, you know, like kind of four, four men out and then having like a big man playing, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how they kind of play that. Um, because I just think, you know, that was a big thing with Kate. I mean, you just, you never know. And I don't, and, you would probably know more than me off the top of my head. There hasn't been just a great other than Giannis um, big man really come out in a while. Um, I mean, Aiton. Is, I mean, a, a, yeah, Aiton struggled through the regular season. My thing with Aiton has always been that he was built for playoff basketball. And I think that he proved that during this stretch, but certainly, I mean, you know, he averaged like 14 and eight during the regular season. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, he's certainly not a dominant offensive big man. That's not ever been his role really. Um, so I, I think in terms of like, yeah, has there been a shack? No, Giannis was kind of the last. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on that, but I think Aiton is the most successful big to come in since, since Giannis would be what I would say. I mean, because, right. you know, I mean, I guess Embiid, Embiid is, Embiid came, was Embiid drafted before Giannis, but didn't play? It's hard to remember all these. I know. You know, I, know. I can't remember I, I every single. Say yes. I feel I think like Embiid. Yeah. I think Embiid was 2014, or was he the okay. same? I think Embiid was 2014. Yeah, because Ben Simmons was 2016. So, I think that's right. Yeah, because the oh no, was Giannis 2013? See, I don't. This is the point. It. <laughs> There are not nearly as many huge, great big men as there used to be. I, I agree with you. I mean, we've got Jokic, yeah. we've got Embiid, we've got. I don't really think that Rudy Gobert is great. Like, I think that Rudy Gobert is incredibly overrated. So I don't like think that he's a. Like, would you rather have Aiton or Gobert? Oh, hundred percent Aiton. You I, know, I mean, Gobert. I mean. I just, I've never been a fan of his ever since we just used to dominate the jazz in the playoffs year after year. You can't um, get destroyed and, in the playoffs every single time. And then tell me that your value is 
blah, blah, et cetera, right. because right. of screen assist and all these things. It's like, I just, I'm not, I'm not hearing it. I don't want to hear it. Right. Know? No, 100% agree. 100% agree. So I, like I said, I mean, kind of circling back, I'm, I'm fully excited about um, what's going to happen. I think the, you know, even with the Josh Christopher and the, the, the Sagoon, I can't pronounce his name the right way, but you know, <laughs> he, uh, he, there, there's so much promise in those guys. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm definitely, it's going to be a, fun season to watch for sure so but stylistically you're on board with the sort of journeyman center thing like like we'll just find whoever we can start and we'll we'll patch it up from there yeah yeah i really think just the game has evolved so much that that is not your 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 go-to guy that's not the one that's going to kind of put everybody on their back anymore you know i mean we've we've definitely shifted to like a guard um centered league now so Speaking of guards, what about John Wall? Is that, how do you, Oof. are you like trying to get out of that one as quickly as possible? Is it like, hey, let's let him play with the kids? Cause like, I mean, who, like you hear KPJ say like, I'm the point guard and stuff. And I mean, it, 50 and 10, like, like we understand he's capable, uh, but John Wall literally can't be anything but a point guard. So, I mean, when he's on the court, he's got to have the ball. That's taking the ball literally out of the hands of your young guys. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know to expect anything from John Wall. I don't know that you can get anything for him in trade. But if you just want to get rid of him to give the time to the youngsters, maybe you buy him out. I don't know. Like, what? I, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I would love, <laughs> I guess the part that, it, that um, makes me so partial with him is the size of his contract right now. I mean, the dude is getting paid basically just as much as Harden right now. And um, I would love to keep him around for the, the, the mentorship, but not at the, at the price that we're going to have to pay for him. Um, And I just, I don't think, honestly, I don't think he's bought into just everything with this, with this Rockets team right now. I don't, I don't see that kind of this fire and, you know, granted, you know, injuries and all that happened last year. So we didn't get a really good kind of snapshot of him playing and playing with, you know, kind of a group of kids. But I mean, John Wall has never, in my opinion, just across the board has been this guy that has just been a great leader um, and kind of, he just kind of does this thing when he's out there, you know? And, and so I, I don't know. I'm with you on this. I don't really, I don't have the right answer. Um, I just don't, I don't foresee him staying and I don't think that we're going to yield any kind of return from him. So it's just kind of like, we're kind of stuck with it right now. So yeah, there's I no mean, really good answer. Like I, I like, obviously his, his trade value is negative. I just mean like, I don't even know that you like, I don't even know that you could make a trade. Like, I don't even know. Cause you know, the one asset in the league that previously matched up to his is like a horrible contract was Westbrook and they were already traded for each other. So it just, (laughs) I don't know, you know, uh, Oh, by the way, Westbrook on the Lakers, what the hell is that? That makes no sense. It makes, I love it. I love it, but it makes (laughs) absolutely no sense. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm so curious as to how this is going to work with the Lakers and, you know, 
shout out to the love hate relationship with the Lakers we all have, right? <laughs> I mean, more hate than anything, but um, it's good I mean, TV it's, though. I mean, it's oh, they're entertaining it's as fuck. We have to give yeah. it to them, like yeah. So um, I'm 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 really interested how they're going to work this this Lakers with rusting because I just I, I mean even the the sheer Westbrook and LeBron trying to even just get along <laughs> on the court is just going to be so much fun to just I don't know it's like a train wreck like you know you can't you can't not watch it sometimes but you know you kind of have to because I just I don't foresee it working at all at all I don't know what benefit that was going to add to the Lakers so well I what I love about it like what makes me it like what tickles me inside is that they also acquired Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk those two are fucking great signings and neither of them are going to play because they also (laughs) have a bunch of geriatric friends of LeBron James who you know how this goes the kids get frozen out and despite the fact that they were like Malik Monk, dude, he took a vet minimum deal to sign with the Lakers. Like, fuck that. I was so pissed about that. Like, they, yeah. that's such a perfect fit for the Lakers. Like, that blows my mind. Like, I guess nobody watched him over the last like year and a half or so. Like, cause he found his game and he really started to, you know, I, and by the way, I love what's going on in Charlotte too. But Malik Monk, you know, found his game and, it's just such a good fit. He's 22 years old. I, I and and he's not going to play. He he's not going to play because of the, you know, the construction of the roster and how this all works and I don't know. It just it the Westbrook thing blows my mind. I like when I first saw people talking about that, I was like, yeah, right. LeBron would never. And the only thing I can think, the only thing I can think is that LeBron is like, I really don't want to do anything in the regular season. I would like to stand in the corner in the regular season. Westbrook can do all of that stuff. I'm going to stand in the corner. But then he becomes a fucking albatross in the playoffs. Like, you can't just sit. <laughs> are you just going to bench him? Like, I, I don't know. I, it, it, I'm going to fucking get someone from Lakers World on this show to explain this to me. And it still won't make sense, but I'm going to make them no. do it. And, you know, and... <laughs> and I hate to even say this because I'm sure I'm going to kill it on it for Twitter, but Russ fans are the worst fans. Um, Don't worry. No one listens to this show. So you won't, (laughs) you won't get killed on it. There's not enough people listening for you to get killed. Don't worry. They are the worst fans. They, I mean, to, Oh God. Like I, you know, Russ being with the Rockets. I mean, we had to just deal with these, these, these kids and, they just, I mean, they don't see any wrong in Russ and he is just like godly. And uh, to have that coupled with the Lakers fans, it's going to be just a nuclear bomb constantly on Twitter. And I don't even think I'm going to have the energy to argue with just all of those, those, those folks on Twitter. So um, I hadn't it's going to be interesting about that. I hadn't even thought about that. The merging <laughs> of Westbrook stands and Lakers stands. <laughs> I had not even considered that. That's going to be a fucking nightmare. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be bad because, and it's just so funny because half of those Russ stands hate LeBron. Yeah, and in the Lakers, so I mean, I just I'm I'm you know it's going to be NBA Twitter will be um, very very um, entertaining this next season. I think so. that was that was the one. <laughs> 
the really funny thing for me as an outsider, not funny at your expense, just as a, I'm not a Rockets fan, when you guys acquired Westbrook and because there was a sizable chunk of your fan base that fucking hated him just from all the MVP back and forth and all that stuff. And it was funny watching many people walk that walk those things back. And then as soon as he got traded, a lot of those people were like, no, no, I hated Westbrook this whole fucking time. It just, <laughs> that was, that was very funny. And Oh yeah. I mean, you know, funny story. Um, and it, we kind of, we laugh about it still to this day. So um, we had a Rockets Twitter meetup on, um, we just were like, Hey, it's summer league. Let's go run to a bar and go catch it. So um, shout out to the little group, but it happened to be the day that the rush trade happened. So I shit you not the timeline of the events that, that, that came about that night. I mean, we got there about seven o'clock. We're sitting there we're kind of chit chatting because one of the, the sports talk radio guys just happened to be there. He was like, okay, so we're, we're all on board. You know, nobody wants Westbrook. You're like, Oh no, fuck that guy. You know, there's no way. And I'm not joking within seven minutes. Boom. It dropped the trade. And we're like, so now we're all backtracking on Twitter and trying to delete old tweets and, you know, like, <laughs> Hey, we love Russ. You know, I mean, it, I mean, it couldn't have happened at like the most perfect time and it just happened to be a random day. And I mean, nobody expected it. So it was, it's, it kind of went down, you know, in, in Rockets fandom history. Cause I mean, you couldn't have picked a better day for that to happen. And just the sheer, um, transition of like oh no you know he'll never fit in the rockets and then it was just oh well this might work you know and so wow it was it was you know russ was russ was fun to watch for that short-lived time i will say that but um i don't know why we tried to convince ourselves that that was going to work at all but um yeah Yeah, that one was a disaster, but my God, that, you know, that one did come out of nowhere. Like the, the hardened trade was painful because it was like, you know, an agonizing like month. Yes. Of like, we're, oh my God, what's going to happen? But I mean, the rust trade. Yeah. I mean, that one really kind of both of them. Well, the, the wall trade, that one was discussed. No, that one really wasn't because Tommy Shepard pretty much came out publicly and, you know, was like, we're not going to trade John Wall. And then like a week later, they traded John Wall. So, I mean, that one came together pretty quickly too. But um, yeah, how do you feel about uh, Steven Silas? Just, you know, you know, I've been a Steven Silas guy. I've been on him as a candidate for years. Um, you're a coach. So obviously when you watch the games, you're not just, you know, watching, you're, you know, taking it, everything. Did, did you see enough from him last year that you believe are you, is the jury out? Do you have a negative opinion? Like, do you, what is your thought about Steven Silas? So the, I love him. I'm, I'm on board with him. Um, I think that he, the cards that he was dealt was really shitty last year with just everything that happened. And, you know, as a coach, you have to have a group of, of guys or girls that are, that are going to buy in. Right. And the group that he had last year was just, they were just like, we're not doing it. You know, they were so used to, um, you know, from the front office all the way down, kind of being, you know, um, on board with the James Harden thing. So then once they brought in this new crew, you know, these old heads were like, no, we're not doing it. So 
this year I'm, I'm really curious and excited to see what he's going to do because I know, I mean, being at Dallas, I mean, he was, he was innovative. I mean, he was, he's smarter than what a lot of people are giving him credit for right now. And so I think having this new group of guys that are young and that are are fresh and that are just going to kind of take in everything that he's going to be willing to to dish out to them and, and coach them on is going to be good. So the jury's definitely not out on him yet. I'm excited. I am a huge fan of his. And I just think that he hasn't gotten his fair share yet. So um, this year is going to be great. I mean, over the next few years, like I said, I don't expect anything phenomenal to happen this year with the Rockets. You know, I don't even expect us to, to make playoffs. I would be, that would be great. But I mean, we're not, anywhere in the position to do that just yet. But um, I think that, you know, we're going to just start kind of progressing every year. And um, um, I think good things will happen here down the line the next few years for sure. I mean, and I think they've honestly done the hardest part. You've got, you've gotten, you know, Jalen Green, you've gotten KPJ, you've got what looks like could be, you know, one and two, you know, and you obviously those are, you know, whether or not they can be franchise players time, you know, will tell, but like you have to have guys that you can identify as the people who you're taking a shot on as your franchise player. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they've obviously done that. You've identified a coach who can do what you want to do. And I, like I said, I love Steven Silas. And I do think by the way, part of Dallas struggles through the first, you know, half of last season were the fact that Steven Silas is gone. And now the guy who's been building your offense for all these years, because you know, Rick Carlisle, a lot of the offensive stuff was, you know, handed to Steven Silas. Rick Carlisle focused a lot more on minute staggering defense, you know, stuff like that. Like, I do think that's a lot of what caused the Mavericks to, it wasn't working so much for the first half of the season last year. And I think that Steven Silas being gone is a big part of that. And so it's good to me that if at least, I, I would assume if you like him, then I would assume other, do you have a good handle on Rockets fans also liking him or, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak, uh, and you know, just as good as I do. I mean, our Rockets fan base is just so um, all over the board at times sure. um, with just their opinions and everything. But I think the general consensus, um, you know, for everyone is is we're excited. I think that um, I was kind of we were kind of done with D'Antoni at this point, you know I mean? D'Antoni, same thing, not taking anything away from him. He is, he's an offensive genius, but um, he is, and I hate to say it like this, he's an old man stuck in his ways with stuff. And he's stuck to his, you know, seven core, and you know, I mean, being, yep. you know, with Phoenix, I mean, he's stuck to his seven guys and there was just no type of adjusting with him. And so I think with, with Silas, um, you know, as a coach, you have to be able to adjust and try different lineups and, you know, take this person out and put this person here. And, and um, so over, you know, I think that's going to be the big thing that um, is going to make a difference with us. Cause you can't run guys, you know, 40 plus minutes in a game and expect them to have legs and stuff in the playoffs. I mean, the season is daunting and it's a grind and then you need to be able to preserve those guys down the line. Um, so, you know, um, I, I think, yeah, I think we're, we're all on board with him and I think time will tell. I mean, we're, we're, we'll be the first ones to holler if it doesn't work out. That's for sure. So, yeah. 
And I mean, I agree with you. The one, the one thing I'll give cre- credit to Dan Tony for is, you know, everything he did in Phoenix was, you know, the, the seven seconds or less constant pick and roll style. And then in New York and LA, it didn't work because, I mean, in LA, it didn't work because he literally never had a healthy roster. People like to like dog him for the Lakers years, but like legitimately never had a healthy roster. And as far as the Knicks goes, like the Knicks, the funny thing about the Knicks is that they were playing really good basketball with Amari Stoudemire as the centerpiece. And then they traded for Carmelo Anthony and, you know, and the whole thing blew up. Um, He did change his style to fit the Rockets the way that, James Harden and Chris Paul wanted to play, you know, oh, well, not Chris Paul necessarily, but the way the, the heavy ISO ball, that was never his style. I'll give him credit for adjusting to that for, you know, playing with Harden. But yeah, it's like you said, like the whole, the whole six, seven guys, it's fine in the finals. Like when you're down to the end of the season and you're playing your best guys, you can do that seven man rotation, but he's doing it like in game six of the regular season. And it's just like, yeah, it just never, it just, it's, and the interesting thing to me is that, I mean, people still, you know, he got head coaching looks, you know, people still want him around. So I, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, yeah. What about, I, you like Raphael Stone. Is there anything Tillman can do to get you guys back on board? Or is it, this is just like a, cause like I've done a 180 on Sarver. Like, I thought that there was nothing Sarver could do. I was just like, I hate this team until he sells them. And then he stopped doing every single thing he had done. And he changed his ways completely, and I have forgiven him. So is there anything Tillman could do? And you guys do like Raphael Stone, or you personally like Raphael Stone. Are those – is that correct? Or Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, um, you know <laughs> – Daryl Morey, once again, genius, right? Um, analytics on top, of, but you know, just you have to have a good combination of the analytics and just the chemistry aspect of it, you know. So um, we all love Daryl, but now, you know, honestly, kind of hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm not sure if that was kind of the right situation that he was kind of putting us in. Um, now that things are the way that they are. So Raphael Stone is, is somebody that's kind of coming in with fresh eyes. You know, he probably could see some stuff on the back end that he wanted to change necessarily, but he couldn't because we were so stuck in our ways of doing things the way that things were going. Um, so I'm excited. I think he's, he's done well so far with the picks that we've acquired. I mean, um, and like I said, you know, you never know if all of that works out till years down the line, right? Because you don't know if you're going to yield that return of, of the talent that you had to give up. But um, with Tillman, I don't, I don't foresee, I can tell you right now across the board, I can speak. Um, there is 99.9% of our fan base that just wish he would jump off a bridge head first right now. I mean, honestly, Um I think that he is um, in over his head with ownership right now. I don't think that he realized what he was getting into. It just, to me, I look at it like, 
oh, this, this is another trophy, um, for my, for my trophy cabinet type situation. Mm. Um, he's, he's just doing this to say, I, I have ownership of this. And, you know, now granted he's, he's given a lot of money to the city he's done, you know, especially the university of Houston, all these different things. Great. But, um, and like I said, I'm partial because the Rockets have my heart. So to take something that is so near and dear to me and us as like a fan base and just watch it kind of crumble, um, it is something that I, I just, I don't foresee ever kind of getting back on board with him. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know what could happen. I mean, I was at a a, a boxing fight a, a couple months ago at a, at the Toyota center and he just happened to be there. And so they were, you know, announcer came on, Oh, you know, Tillman's here. I mean, the entire Toyota center erupted in like, fuck you, sell the team. I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> it was, and I may have been leading it slightly, but you know, um, so <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I just don't foresee, I mean, you just look at, um, the sheer amount of trolling that gets done. Like, I think he, we've scared him off of Twitter at this point because you don't, you just know it's no winning with us. Once we've washed our hands, I don't, I don't foresee us ever getting back on board with him, but I don't also at the same time see him selling the team either. You know what I mean? So if it makes um, you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better, I have heard from some people who know some things I have to be, I have to be, we, every now and then I have a source and I have to do the whole sources. <laughs> of course, of course. He might have to sell the team sooner than you would expect because of well, he, how horrendously, exactly. I, and I have heard that there will not be loans or help due to him and that he really may have to sell the team sooner than we expect. So, so here's praying that he just keeps continuing to go broker. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. And, I, and I'll tell you, I, I don't, I do not walk in the Toyota center and buy anything there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will go across the street and, and, and buy a beer or something before I go into Toyota center and spend money. And I mean, just like as a, as a season ticket holder, the amount of, of, of cost, like the cost cutting that I've seen right. in the last couple of years. I mean, and it's like, it's minute stuff, but it's, you know, the promotional stuff that they give out or, you know, playoff t-shirts and stuff like that. I mean, the, the quality of it has just gone so just like, there's nothing anymore. And like as fans, like, yes, yeah, season ticket holders, you get to see all that stuff all the time. You get it. But for the kid that it's his first time at the Rockets game with his dad and stuff, and then you just give him a little pocket calendar as a promotional item, they don't, nobody, you know, it, it's it, it's sad to see. I mean, we used to have the coolest stuff going into Toyota Center, and, and now it's just, it's nothing. So It is a um, bummer. I'm, to go from like one of the best owners in the league to one of the worst. And that's a really interesting perspective because I bet your season tickets costs hasn't gone down. Have they? Oh, of course not. Yeah. So you're paying more money for a worse product in every way. Like that's so disappointing. Yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, I didn't, they saved our spots as far as season tickets go this last year because of, you know, the COVID stuff and whatnot. But I mean, just the way that they were handling um, the season ticket holders this year, it was like, oh, well, we want you to pay for a whole season up, up front, but 
there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to get into the arena and whatnot. So, you know, it was just, it was a bad, it was bad for business uh, across the board. So, um, no, I mean, even from a fan aspect, from a season ticket holder aspect, um, I am definitely not a fan right now. So, yeah. Well, and hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully Tillman goes broken. The young Rockets core can just continue go f- going forward over the next few years. Um, I wanted to ask you about coaching. Um, what got you into coaching? How long have you been coaching? What, like what, because we, you and me just, we just talk about basketball all the time. Like that's how we became friends is literally just talking about the game. Not even like always trash talk with you and I, literally talk about the game the details of the game and specifically how we became friends was the details of we talked a lot about how much we love women's basketball specifically because of there's just so much that goes on in the women's game that there are a lot of pristine pick and roll play stuff like that but what got you into just loving the game so much that you wanted to coach it well I think that um for me I mean I've played I was you know and it all came full circle, basically. So, um, you know, I played, you know, Little League basketball since I was in second grade. Um, I played in a league back then. And then um, I noticed. So when I played in this league, starting out in this developmental league, there was 120 to 150 girls in this league. Um, coming back to the the same exact league that I started my, out in, um, I, they asked me to become a coach and now the girl side has 30 to 40 girls. That's it. So seeing the, um, the decline in girls basketball was just so saddening to me because girls are going more towards volleyball and, and dance and stuff like that instead of playing basketball. And so that was kind of the motivation to get back into um, coaching because I mean, I remember starting out playing, you know, there was just hundreds of girls that would play basketball. And so um, they called me back and said, Hey, do you want to start coaching? We need a girls director. And so my main goal with um, one of the leagues that I coach in is just to get these girls to enjoy the game to love the game. So there's no pressure. I'm not, we're having fun. We're, we're learning little basic things, basically, you know, I want you girls to understand it. And, you know, the sheer just disrespect and you see it across the board um, with women's basketball, just, I mean, especially women's basketball. um, it, It just, it kind of fires me up a lot because I want the girls and the women to get credit for the amount of grind that they put in and you know they it it doesn't get accredited the way that they should and so that's kind of my fight with it um and I just if I can get you know five or six girls to love the game like I did back then um I, I feel like it's been successful you know and of course having a daughter that plays too um definitely um, something that kind of lights my fire in that sense, but, um, just, just to have fun and connect with these girls. And I mean, I remember, you know, um, my coaches back then, you know, from, you know, 20, 30 years later, 
um, I still remember them and still remember some stuff. So to be able to have that impact on some of these girls is, is kind of where, where my heart is with it. It's, it's nothing like I'm not trying to win championships or, or anything like that. It's just to get, get people to love the game that I love so much because I mean, you know, it is a beautiful game. And then just watching girls at the college level, I mean, they play beautiful, fundamental, perfect basketball. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch. And, you know, people dog it out. Oh, it's boring. It's not, it's actually women play basketball the way it should be played. You know, it's definitely not as exciting and whatnot, but um, it's the way it should be played. So that's kind of my motivation with it. Yeah. And you, you got uh, rocket Twitter to get your team like shoes, right? Like they they, like funded like a whole set of custom shoes for your team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, shouts out to the, the, the rocket Twitter family. Um, I did not think that it was going to blow up like that. Um, So the 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 league that I coach in, it, I'm not going to say they're they're lower class um, families or anything like that, but a lot of these parents don't have money to you know get their girl shoes, and you know I would just notice you know they would come in low tops or you know sometimes they would come into practice with bands on or you know something like that, and I'm like you know I wouldn't say anything obviously, but it was definitely noticeable. So. Um, once that happened, I kind of started looking for sponsors and I just happened to, you know, say something on Twitter about it. And it just, within about 24 hours, we had raised, you know, three or $4,000 just to get, and it wasn't just one team. It was the entire division of girls. I mean, wow. it was 30 or 40 girls, um, were able, we were able to get shoes for, and, um, it, it's probably one of my favorite things, um, to see the, the, the good humanity and, and to see that, you know, people are on board, um, with what I'm doing and, you know, it sucks that, you know, with the COVID hitting and everything that we didn't get to fire the league up this year. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was so much fun to see and seeing the, the excitement on the girls, you know, like faces. I mean, that's something that'll never, never go away for sure. So, um, I yeah, remember shout you, out to the family for that. I remember you posted the the reaction video of all of that. That that was crazy. Like they like lost their mind. That was awesome. That was something. <laughs> I like I remember cuz I was like uh I, I was like gone or something and then I came back the next day and I saw this thing and I was like what and it was like you'd raise like yeah like thousands of dollars. I was like what the hell? I was like I couldn't it was amazing. It was it was very cool. That was that had to be that's something that's just like a heartwarming moment to see, you know, like, like you said, that's just, that was cool. I love when there's so much garbage going on all the time in the world. It's so nice when we see something just good happening, you know what I mean? Like I can't get enough of that stuff. That was, that was awesome. Hats off. To yeah, you absolutely. Absolutely. Any thank other, you, uh, thank you. any other like good coaching stories before we, okay. Hot takes about the NBA or good coaching stories, either or both of those before we, before I grab Brittany and we just descend into this nightmare that is reality <laughs> television. I'm so excited. Um, I know it's so funny how, you know, we're all over the board with this, but no, I think um, I'm excited. I think, you know, and I even said it, I tapped this early. I think um, Memphis is going to be great this year. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Um, 
I, I just, I can't get enough of jaw, honestly. Like, I mean, you know, and I, and I really truly think Phoenix is gonna, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how you cannot be that close to tasting it and not get back to where you were, you know? Um, so I think I, I'm enjoying, you know, the Phoenix, uh, watching them grow, but you know, the East, the East is where I, I, you know, I said it the other day, but I think Miami is going to be something to, uh, to, uh, to watch this year. I really do. And, you know, I'm, Shouts out to the NBA for kind of balancing this East-West thing now, because I think, you know, honestly, the East is almost better than the West right now. Um, they have got some really good teams, and I'm excited to see Miami, um, what they do this year, because, I mean, you talk about some defensive-minded guys on that team. Um it's going to be interesting to watch kind of a Miami and Brooklyn kind of go at it because they have that sheer offensive power. So um, I'm curious to see how that's going to match up. It's yeah, this year's, this year's going to be really interesting. I, I really do love, um, I love Kyle Lowry in, in Miami. I agree with that. And the other thing I think is going to be really interesting is I'm really interested to see what Rick Carlisle does coaching the Pacers. Cause the Pacers have like a group of decent talent, you know, it's like all good, but he's always been able to kind of elevate guys. And now that he doesn't have like a star that can, you know, tell him to fuck off and he probably will never have that because <laughs> Indiana will never pay guys like that. Like, right. I'm just really kind of interested to see how that all goes. Um, and yeah, if Brooklyn is healthy, like, because, you know, they basically never were this season. Like what, you know, what are they capable of like this? And this is truthfully, I didn't ever think Brooklyn could really win a title uh, this past season, just because I didn't think that they had played together enough. And I didn't think they had enough depth and I still worry about the depth going into next season, but now they've had time together. They're going to go through a whole training camp together with James Harden there. Uh, presumably after another off season, they'll be healthier as a group. So, uh, you know, the, it, the East is definitely so much better um than it once was it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting year i i see a lot of people saying they feel like golden state is gonna be i just you know i'm not trying to be a dick but like i don't clay thompson has not played basketball in two years and i don't he's coming off two major injuries i i don't know that he'll ever be clay thompson again i'm not trying to be an asshole it's just that's a lot no, to I, ask, and it's a lot of pressure to put on him yeah absolutely and i mean even um I was partial about KD coming back off of his, his Achilles injury as well. So you just don't know what you're going to get with these guys. Now, you know, they have phenomenal, um, you know, trainers and, and surgeons now, I mean, top of the top of the line stuff. So um, I, I don't doubt that they can come back, but I mean, even the mental aspect of um, being off for that long, uh, you know, um, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, I hope he has success, but you know, it's going to be a time will tell type of thing. So, so we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a fun year. Absolutely. It always is. It always <laughs> is. <laughs> and now joining to, uh, just take it from intellectual basketball discussion to not at all intellectual reality TV discussion is, Am I still supposed to introduce you as Mrs. Blunt Doctor? I don't know. It's up to you. That's up to me. Okay. Okay. Well, hi, Mrs. Blunt Doctor. How hi. are you doing? <laughs> 
I didn't mean to introduce you as the lead on the non-intellectual segment, by the way. I just realized how that <laughs> sounded. <laughs> that didn't come across how I meant it to, but... It's okay, I'm clean of trash talk. That's okay. We just we just had a very deep discussion about basketball, and now we're going to talk about <laughs> 90 Day Fiance and Love After Lockup, which is not... I, we have to start with Love After Lockup right now, because I just we just talked about this for a moment before we started recording, and I hate Nicole. I hate Nicole so much, and I feel so bad for Deontay. But Deontay is a little weird, right? I'm just going to throw that to the room. <laughs> I think he's definitely got some kind of like disorder. Like he 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 reveals way too much. He's way too comfortable telling people about that like sex toy. He told Nicole's mom that was too much. No. Yeah, you know, and and I hate to say this, but you know, he gives me an online dating vibe, like a very creepy kind yes. of, he's that weirdo that, that you meet online and kind of stalks you for a good amount of time. So, um, but I think he means well, I think, I think he, he means well, but there's just something that isn't connected fully with him. Um, and of course it's prime reason for somebody like Nicole to, uh, take advantage of him. I agree. I think, but well, that's the thing is like, I actually think he's a really good guy. Like, you know, like he's like, I think he'd be a really good guy to date. Like even like, I think he maybe reveals too much and he, he overshares for sure. Like he doesn't know when to stop talking, but he's a good dude. And like, I think as a boyfriend, he'd be a great boyfriend. Like he, he treats his woman. Well, he cares a lot he just he's looking for something that he's not getting from this girl and he's not gonna get from this girl he's just looking for love in the wrong place i we, the online dating vibe that i that, that made me laugh out loud because like that that's exactly what he's like because it it's it's like watching someone who has literally only dated online and literally only had online interactions with someone have an interaction with a person because online people just do overshare and people will just say things. And so that that's like the best way I've ever seen to describe it. But like, man, when he, okay, first of all, Christy, in your opinion, was it quote unquote, you was it okay. Was it quote unquote stalkerish <laughs> of him to like park outside her house and wait to see what was going on? Or did you have no issue with that? Well, how did you feel about it? No, I, I honestly, I, I'm glad he did it. Um, I don't think that it was, it was stalkers at all because I think he had a feeling, you know, regardless, you talk about women's intuition, guys have that gut feeling too, right? So I think he knew something was going on. So, I mean, honestly, if I would have been in his shoes, I probably would have done the same thing just to, you know, do some checks and balances with it. But I don't, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. And I'm so glad it happened. And man, he got, he got bold for a minute. I was like, okay, like, come on, step up, you know? So, um, you know, I saw that, that rage in him and he had every right. So um, yeah, for sure. I would have, I would have done it, honestly. I, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> uh, Brittany, you would have done the same thing. Yeah, I agree with it. I said at the at the time when it was happening, I was like, all right, this is a little bit creep, you know, just 
it, just the reality of the situation of, yes, you've been talking to this girl, but you've only known her in person for a week. And while I agree it's like something strange, I do think it's a little bit creep to stand out, sit outside someone's house. But it, here's the thing. It would have been stalkerish if it was like, like, you said, like six hours. It was like five minutes. That's the thing. That's the thing for me is it was like she smoked a cigarette. And before the cigarette was like even extinguished, this dude pulls up. It's her ex-boyfriend. It's one of those things where like, you know how like it's wrong to snoop on someone? Unless you find something, then you're justified. Like, if he had been completely wrong, then you would have been like, "Well, you're completely wrong." But not only that, like, man. Well, he's been played before, so he's 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 used to this. He knows what it's like to be played, and he just had a feeling. And so I, and I'm glad that he did it, and I'm glad that he lost his temper. I'm just hoping he doesn't fall back into whatever lie she's going to spin to tell him now. Like, I'm glad he did not assault. He's 100 percent going to fall back into this. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see him just cutting her off right now. Even after she slept with the other dude. He doesn't know that yet. Yeah, but he's, do you think he's not going to like, that's got to be the first question when she comes to talk to you. Right. Is like you slept because she stayed out all night and he left her with him. Like that's the first question. Right. I mean, you would think so. I mean, him driving off and like crying, oh. like that was heartbreaking. I felt so bad for him. I thought he was going to pull that motherfucker through his window. And I was glad he did not do that. Cause I was like, don't it was, there's video evidence. Don't ruin your life. That's why I said he'd be a good boyfriend is because I mean, look at that. He's like, he controlled his anger still. He was so furious, but he still controlled it to a certain level. You know, like he didn't get physical with this guy. He didn't get you know nasty. He, he yelled at her in the street, which was, you know, that's a scene, whatever, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah. And then he and then he just left and the and the crying thing was bad. Okay, so Christy, you 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 think he's going back or they're staying together? Because I think those are different things. Like cause like staying together means post this interview. Cause you know, like Sarah and 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 what's his name, Michael have you know made it through <laughs> so much bullshit that they're still around so i'm saying like post that interview you're saying they're staying together long term or just that he's going back a couple more times before it ends I, I'm, I'm curious i think that sh that nicole is going to spin this you know to where he tries he gives her another chance i think honestly i think what is going to happen I think she's going to have to give up the booty um, and and then he's probably going to stay around for a little. Because, I mean, let's be honest, I think that's his end goal right now. I mean, you know, the, I think he does care about her, of course. That's that's not a doubt. I don't doubt that in my in my head at all. But, you know, the the gifts and, the, and all of the stuff he's doing, I mean, his end game is definitely to stop using the toys at all. Um, and and get there. So I think that she's going to have to give it up to uh, keep him around at this point. I completely agree. That's like he spent a lot of money to not get to hit it yet. Like, yeah. and, and that's a pretty expensive prostitute. Like, <laughs> you, you he gave her like what two thousand dollars in cash when she got out, in addition to all the presents. You want to at least get it in once, and if it means like dealing with some of her garbage, you you, you want to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you want to hit it. Like I just want to point out, I'm not saying any of this. So none of this can be used against me. I am not endorsing or disagreeing. I just want to point out, I'm not saying any of it. 
But it's, do it's, women know how men think? No, Pretty obviously. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I'm not the one saying it. That's all that I'm saying. That's all. That's the only thing that I'm saying. Because if I, while I might agree, <laughs> if I say those things, I think I get in trouble. But no, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I actually like understand her perspective a little bit from like after well, she spent like four years in jail, and after like four years in jail, I can understand the because she's still fairly young so i can understand like all the sexual pressure is a lot but it certainly wasn't a lot when she just slept with her ex-boyfriend there's no problem and it's like that's when you just need to acknowledge you're not attracted to this person and you're attracted to the things that they buy you and she sure as hell had sex with a lot of women in prison yeah. though yeah I'm just saying, yeah it's one thing if you're with if you went four years without being touched in any sexual way it's another thing if you're like hooking up with women because you're so horny like and then you get out of course you want to fuck around like <laughs> well and it's, i mean the it fact that she, if it's a man like it and the fact that she's hitting on tia too yeah i mean i guess she yeah it, it, she's just not attracted to it, deontay and you know what i think it's exactly what his mom said and you know i love his mom that was his mom was a great part of that episode like she had some wisdom i'm like the whole oh my son likes the stripper type like <laughs> she knows she knows what's up with him and the whole you know she said you haven't had sex with the guy in four years, aren't you? You want it. And you just like, I don't think that your problem is that you don't want it. You just don't want it with my son. And I think she's hundred percent right. I would, I would pay money for a streaming service. That was only Deontay's mother going to dinner with different couples and telling them their problems. Absolutely. I would pay, money. I, I would, I would pay like $35 a month to just watch that woman go tell people their problems because that was one of the best things I've ever fucking seen in my entire <laughs> life. It's another blonde white stripper type, just like my son likes. <laughs> and then she's, when she's all, oh, I don't, I'm nervous about sex. She's like rolling her eyes at this girl in front of her son. Oh my God. That's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I don't know if I've ever been that happy as I was <laughs> in that moment. Like that was incredible. Um, what what uh, do so those two are frustrating who else do you christy like what is your what is your other go-to love after lockup couple that just like makes you want to throw things at the television oh gosh um are we talking specifically this season or no just, just let's open it up because there <laughs> this is a free form discussion about how about just bad reality television that's what oh, this is all about. Um, okay, so I'm bad with the names. Um, the 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 one that's having the twins with uh, uh, the 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 little love triangle three. The one oh with- God, yeah. Okay, the um, we're um, are you? I'm looking John at Shane right now. And- <laughs> oh, oh, John, Shane, and Lacey. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. That was something special. I mean, I think John's done at this point, though. I mean, he's just angry. I, I like honestly, he just needs to leave them alone. They're having kids together, but I, Lacey is a piece of work. Like, she obviously does some stuff online. Like, she's like, right? Like, she's got to be like an online model of some kind. Oh, she definitely has an OnlyFans page. I I don't know for a fact, but I probably would be willing to bet. She has an OnlyFans page somewhere out there if we could find it. Well, it's that body. It's that body. I mean, 
yeah, the way she the way she shows it off, the way she acts about it, and the way she pays her bills, and she never mentions a different job. I think it's got to be something online. I'm not judging her for that, by the way, though. Oh, good, no. for, good for her. But what is your who? Who are you? Like what? Like who? Who? How, <laughs> I don't even know how to phrase the question. Who do you root for in that one? Because like I find myself rooting for John, to be honest. Um, I, I don't really feel like there's there's any any one of them. I think they're all just a mess right now. Um, and I kind of creeped on, and I saw that the preview um, for this next season they're going to be on, and um, it looks like they're going to have some some trouble in paradise. Um, I don't, I think, she, to me, I feel like Shane is more of the innocent one in this whole thing. I can see that. I can see him, I can see him being innocent. I root for John because I want him to get clean and get free of the situation. And like, that's what I root for is for, he's like the the dude I just want to get away from it because I feel like that's the best thing for him. Shane, I, yeah, I mean, Shane's relatively innocent. He didn't know about John when he met her. Like he, you know, he just wanted to be, a family guy. Although he did cheat on Lacey. I mean, there that, that did happen, but I mean, you know. But she also cheated on him. That's also true. Honestly, <laughs> like, I think, I think, she think she a girl who needs Yeah, and I think I think the 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 top I mean, hundred percent Lacey is like the toxic one in this situation. Like I think she's the one that is driving these men to like lose their shit on a consistent basis. I mean, a mess. I, I don't even, I couldn't even imagine growing up in a house like that just with those kids, those poor kids. They, uh, wow, I don't know. It's just such a mess. There's just so much content here. I mean, there's, like you said it, I, I don't, you talk about dysfunctional relationships and stuff, but I mean, this, I mean, we all look like the fucking Brady Bunch compared to uh, some of these things, so. You know, and I think that, okay, one, oh, the couple from this season, oh gosh, it's Doug and uh, Rachel. That's what it was with Dougie Jr. Like, that's another, like, family dynamic that, like, we're watching that and we're like, uh, the fights with his family, I think that is absolutely insane. And the other thing, like, okay, he's, Dougie Jr., he's raised by these people. Well, when they're like trying to humiliate him, which I think is horrible. Why are you trying to humiliate this poor preteen boy? Like with showing letters, why do you want to humiliate him and bring his self-confidence down even lower in the first place? When he got upset, did he ask for either one of his aunts? Did he ask for a family member? No, he wanted Rachel. He wanted her because she's the only person in his entire life that has shown him one ounce of like actual motherly love. And I think that's pathetic and sad. And that maybe Doug needs to like, look at that and like see you know what my son didn't ask for any of these family members he asked for her but he's like oh he's gonna respect me and i hate that i hate that so much like respect is earned it's not given you lost it when you went to prison you have to earn your his respect back and you earn it by giving him respect in the first place and this doug has no idea how to even raise a child and rachel who's been a mother for to this 11 year old for five minutes knows more about parenting than he does. She's been on this soapbox for a while. This is, this it is. Really <laughs> yeah, but I mean, hundred percent. Right. And I mean, just that whole family dynamic with them, you can see why some of these kids get stuck in the cycle of just, you know, 
because right now, poor, you know, Dougie Jr., I mean, he is already just emotionally scarred for probably the rest of his life. And then, you know, you cannot come in as a parent after being gone his entire life and think that you're going to be able to, to parent a child that is not used to you being around. Um, so it, it's, it's sad. Um, I, I hope that things get better with them. I'm glad that Rachel's there because I think she's offering some structure and stability um, amongst the chaos of, of what is going on with that family dynamic. But um, yeah, that's, that's a, that was a tough one. These last couple of episodes with him were, were really hard to watch because as, 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 you know, you just, you don't realize how much you can screw your kids up until like, you know, later on in life. So um, poor thing, poor, poor thing. And that's the one thing about love after lockup. Like I do, I do catch myself being like, man, this is exploitative as shit right now because like we're like watching some of these people but on the flip side of that it's like dude imagine what would be going on in that kid's life right now if there weren't cameras following this asshole around to make sure he wasn't slapping his kid and stuff like he said in his own interviews like oh my father would if i got in the way he would beat me down just like he was beating the guy and i was like yeah and you went to prison bro like, do you think that maybe that's like part of the problem is like, let's not beat our children. It's just like this new idea. Don't beat your kids. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's new and revolutionary. And aren't you supposed to learn? Like, I mean, it, like, isn't that the whole point of like, if you were abused, you don't become the abuser. You learn from that abuse so that you don't continue this. Cycle. Well, but this show teaches how the prison system fucks that because the minute you go to jail, you don't, these people can't get jobs. They can't. Like they can't get, make their life better in most cases because the system basically destroys their life forever. And a lot of them, it's like a drug charge. Not even like you're possessing drugs is not a reason to ruin your fucking life. And so like, you know, there's no doubt that what they go through in prison makes some of that impossible. Like, oh, I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to be better. Well, like you spend 12 years in jail, <laughs> like you kind of, in trouble and a lot of ways he, does, he hasn't grown up he's still 20 years old that's what's meant like you know like Quaylon, you know or Quaylon, like that dude went to jail when he was 17 yeah. and he came out when he's 29 and chevelle's expecting him to be like a perfect husband it's like dude you're dating a dude who hasn't even been on the outside like as an adult at all like you're putting way too much on him no, I agree. And, and it's sad to watch some of these families because especially when there are children involved. But one uh, example of like a couple that like really did well with that was um, your favorite. Oh, gosh. What's his name? That's married to crazy. Um, what's his name? It's your, again, you're just naming all the people on the in show. California. that raps. Oh, um, yeah. The Mormons? Yes. <laughs> I love um oh my god the the amount of what's his name on this episode is so terrible. You need to Andrea go Andrea and Andrea and Lamar. Thank you. There we go. There we go. Yeah. I love Lamar. How do you feel about them? You said the Mormons, so I'm guessing you have an opinion. <laughs> no, I just they're no, no, you hit it. I mean, they have they have done it about as right as they can do it with all things considered. Um I think Andrea is a little um, out there at times, <laughs> um, but I think that um, 
she's trying her best to kind of keep that stable um, um, kind of structure. I think she's just worried about the perception to everybody else of, of who they are and stuff. But um, I think I think the best thing that they did was move to California. Honestly, like being in 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 Utah was just uh, probably not the best for them. But she just she's a she can get to level one thousand real quick, um, and um, that's not necessarily the best thing. But Lamar, I mean, he is calm, cool, and collected for the most part. So um, I, I'm all for them. I, I think that they've done it is about as good as they can do it you know consider all things considered yeah i i think that hendria is actually a little bit straight up crazy uh, i think i think she has an, an anger problem and lamar is actually the best thing that has happened to her family because he does bring more of that like hey we don't need to be like this and but i do see them trying for their children I agree with that she she does have this like idea of like she wants this picture perfect family and she's afraid of how they're going to be portrayed and the awareness of the cameras is completely there now hmm. but i mean she's had some crazy moments where she's like hit him and she's gotten abusive in a way that like i think you expect more from the person who's the former inmate than the person who's been out who's the good mormon woman who's raising the children like i mean you can tell she's a good mom though just from the perspective of like those kids are oh, fucking her kids are incredible they're so mature like they're like the most thoughtful people <laughs> like yeah. the conversations between nyla and tennyson they like sound like like well they sound like congressional debates or something like they just they're just like so like well, I deem this situation to be incredibly difficult for us because of the cultural shift between Utah and Los Angeles. Ah, yes, Tennyson, I agree. They're just so fucking thoughtful and just like, you can tell she's a good mom, but as a wife, like she just seems like she's controlling and a little crazy, but man, it's such good TV. <laughs> Sometimes having that level of calm and maturity at that age comes from having a mom that you know is just a little bit behind when it comes to like her own maturity. It makes you have to grow up that much more. And I think that's actually what's happened because I think Andrew's really immature a lot. And the kids are the ones who have to raise her to a new level. And now with Lamar, he does that and she gets mad about it, but they appreciate him because they see him doing it. And so it's no longer on them and they get to relax a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all very concerned about keeping things good for the little one's sake. And I actually like, that's a really, I, I like their family dynamic is that the kids are coming together of, Hey, you guys have to stop fighting for your little one now. Cause she's yeah. seeing all this. On the subject of interesting couples, have you followed the whole saga of Colt? Uh, 90 day fiance <laughs> colton larissa and then colton vanessa. all the way to colton vanessa have you have you followed that one all the way through oh 100 percent. i oh. mean 100 there's just oh god um i cannot one person that i probably want to punch in the face the most is colt um he just he is he's so I, I honestly, and I'm going to just say, like, I don't know how the hell he pulls these women the way he pulls them. I mean, my God. Um, 
I, I don't I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. I I fucking love Colt. And it's not because he's a good person. Like the same person. Okay, well that's not fair. <laughs> We've been together for a very long time. Yeah. So and well, let's not. I don't need to <laughs> never mind. I don't need to go. It's you know, let's anyway. The point is, um <laughs> you throw me off at that time. <laughs> I love Colt because yeah, number one, I don't understand necessarily how he's doing this and so i'm just like number one i'm just like tipping the cap because oh sorry i'm just tipping the cap because i'm just like that's impressive stuff man like i don't know how you yeah that was the other thing too is the dude who like screamed at him colt what are you doing to these women andre who said that it's just like (laughs) yeah what are you doing to these women and it's you just i'm just impressed with He's so unattractive. Like he went to the park and worked out in that one season and like threw up in a trash can. And like he has an OnlyFans and like posted a picture of himself in a bathtub. Like this dude is just, he lives with his mother and all of his cats. Like he's living a fantasy fucking weirdo life. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm here for this. He went with Vanessa to propose though. Like, I know the castle, that castle thing. I'm you like, dude, I want to go there. Yeah, you. Oh loved yeah, it. I want to go there. She's now. like, I like, want to go to this the castle place that she took Colt to. The She's medieval, like, and then they have all the costumes and stuff. I was like, oh, dude, I want to go there. But if you see, I'm also maybe judgmental. It's like, I think that's fine for me to want to go there. I think it's funny for him to choose it. <laughs> like, it's just a weird thing to choose. Who do you in in ninety day fiance? Who drives your? What's your your again? Your like kind of go to couple there. Oh God. Um, Jesus. So this season, you know, I, I was very, um, I was very, uh, kind of not rooting for, um, okay. So first of all, Mike and, um, Mike and Angela, or no, Natalie. (laughs) Oh, Mike and Natalie. Mike and Natalie. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's just a, a fucking, I, I really hope that they're done now. And so did y'all get the vibe from the friend, the Juliana vibe? Like, like she's trying to like have like a, a lesbian relationship with her now. Yes. I got that vibe from her. I like the way that she like tried to hug Mike. It was like, are you like trying to be like, I stole your girlfriend. It's okay. That was so weird to me. I I think it's more of she's trying to act like she wants to be some kind of relationship therapist and she's trying to get on TV. I I don't (laughs) see her as having that kind of interest in Natalie so much as I see her trying to be like, oh, I'm the older friend. I'm calm and I know what to do here. And it, it... I think she's trying to be the peacemaker in a weird, wrong way. But that entire scene with the two of them where she was like trying to hug Mike, that was all that that wasn't. I don't think that was Juliana. I think that was mostly Natalie who put her up to it because that was all a manipulation ploy of Juliana went inside to stall because they all expected him 
to run out after Natalie and stop her. The whole packing, I mean, we, we've, that's, it's been done before. That's what girls do when they don't actually want to leave, but they're trying to get you to stop them. So they start pretending that they're, they're going to leave. And he actually let her let leave this time. And she's sitting in the car like, oh my God, I can't believe he's actually letting me go. So she sends her friend in to go to the bathroom and stall and try to convince him to feel bad so that he'll go out and stop the situation. And he didn't because he's not falling for that shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So are you are you like we don't I think that Natalie's full of shit. Like, I think that I don't think that she loves Mike. I never really I never really liked her. So I, what did, are you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't I, I really, truly hope that they're that they just cut ties completely because just that whole they're the epitome of I, I don't even love you and I don't even like you. But we're just here because for whatever reason, I mean, they they truly do not like each other at all. Um, I mean, you just think about even the the beginning of when they first started dating. She's this vegetarian health, you know, freak, and and he is this beer, meat, and potatoes kind of guy. Like it just the, their entire lifestyles don't match up. So I don't understand how. Um, how it can even work. And I mean, you know, at times like she would call him fat, like, my God, you know, I, I just, she calls him low class and made up that whole story about his mom calling her a hooker. And she, I don't believe a fucking word. I don't believe a word of that story. Like I, I, I try not to just like automatically take the side of the man. Like I, sometimes I'm like, and I don't trust her and I don't trust her and I don't trust her. And it's like, well, maybe you're just being sexist. And I'm like, oh. but she's manipulative. Yeah. And I don't think that she really loves Mike. I think that she has this idea of what she wanted in her head. And she thought that she could control Mike enough to turn him into what she wanted. And it didn't work because he is really like, you're not going to do that to me. And like, I, I don't even know why she came here on the visa in the first place. Like yeah. he was like, he didn't even want her. He here. was stunned when she came out. He called the wedding off the day before. It's like, it, it just, it, yeah. How many she more? Acts like she plays the victim. That's what it is. She plays the victim all the time. And then she tries to gaslight the audience and yeah. thinking that she's the victim and Mike is this horrible person. And it's like, we're not buying it lady. And really just with everything that's happened, like how many more signs do we need? Like, like you said, Christy, it's time. They need to just cut ties. What about, um, <laughs> you mentioned Michael and Angela and you know, Oh God, I don't even, Angela, oh. I've got this weird, like no love respect for like don't. Angela, but I also hate her. Oh God. Can we not even, Oh, I hate those. I, two I so know much. you do, but I, you know how I feel. Like I, I have this fascination of Angela because I think she's this horrible, horrible bitch. But I also respect her in so many ways for all, like you know, the raising of the grandchildren and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, th yeah, that's fair. But hold on, hold on. We're glossing over the most important part of this episode, which is Andre fighting everyone, <laughs> and Andre just just deciding. I'm going to go to war with everyone and the whole situation with I'm going to fight Charlie and I'm going to murder Charlie. Just that whole. I, I, oh man. So Chuck's have crying. Have you finished that episode yet? Have you gotten? No, so I've gotten to the point and, and feel free to. And I feel like I know kind of how this is going to play out, but it is just, it has been a nuclear bomb that has just been brewing, you know, and, I just, I just want them to, uh, 
I'm glad that they finally kind of fought it out. But I mean, God, they're those fucking those kids are pieces of shit. I mean, they are pieces of shit kids. I mean, garbage people, garbage. Yeah, and so um, I. I, I feel so bad for for Libby in this because I think that you know even though that she uh, she uh, she uh, she is kind of the the uh, most reasonable one right now out of everything. I think that there's okay. Don't hate me for saying this, Peter. There's a little bit of like. You called oh, me by my first oh, name. Oh, I'm sorry. You called me by my first name on my podcast. Do I have to mute that? Okay, Blunt Doctor is so... It's, you like, can call it's, me it's, The Blunt Doctor. <laughs> okay. My first name is okay, The. Okay, I'm sorry, The Blunt Doctor. You can just call me The if you want to call me by my first name. <laughs> well, I think that there is some kind of truth in the middle where I, I think her siblings are frustrated because she's the baby, she's daddy's favorite, and there's this underlying family jealousy of the baby. I'm like, I, I, I know that from personal experience of my own. Like, I, I have older sisters and I'm the baby, and there does there's this jealousy that runs through the family sometimes with having older siblings, and, and just they do get jealous. And I do think that Chuck babies Libby, and I think that that's part of their problem, but they're at the point where they're letting it destroy their family and they need to grow up at this point. But the whole Libby does manipulate their dad sometimes, but also Chuck just likes Andre. And it's like, you know what? You guys all have, you guys all have your roles in the family business. You have spouses involved. Why is it wrong for Libby and her spouse to be involved? Just let him in. Like why they seriously, they have the, I do think it's like xenophobia of, yeah. They Andre. hate everyone who's not American and they won't shut up about how blah, blah, Charlie and his, I'm American dude. I say whatever I want. I hate that motherfucker so much when he, yeah, it's just, yeah, this, yeah. The whole episode is, is <laughs> it goes exactly how you think it goes. Can we give a hand to Andre and his like master plan of <laughs> he <laughs> went to Chuck for a hundred thousand dollars <throat> and Chuck was like, no, I'm bringing you into the family business. And so, now he's like ruined the family business because he's pushed everyone else out, which is exactly what Chuck didn't want. But Andre's still getting his way because he's like, look at how what work I'm doing. And Chuck is like, man, you're a really great worker. You're really great at this. We're going to make lots of money. Yeah. My but theory, my theory on Chuck has been that Andre is a tough guy and he likes hanging out with a dude who is a tough guy because it makes him feel like he is a tough guy. You know, and so I think that he likes hanging out with that dude just because he feels tough. And you you said the, the kids are horrible. I, I agree. Like, do you were you how like they're rich? Like you I wasn't offended when Andre asked for a loan. Were you like did that? I was like, no big deal. He didn't even want to be in their business. He wanted to do his own thing. Like, I wasn't offended that he asked a rich guy for help. Like they're next level rich. Yeah, this whole thing that we should like feel bad for them. I didn't feel bad for him rich at all. Yacht with champagne rich like, yeah did you feel what did you think about that no i think that 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 the the majority of people that um start from nothing generally have somebody there in their corner and you know um to help them out and and so he's just using his father-in-law who's 
you know, financially blessed to kind of help him. And I, I don't, I don't see a problem with it at all because I guarantee you he's helped each and every one of those kids. And, and even my parents, like if my parents were to give me $5,000 for whatever, they would give all of, all of us $5,000 just across the board. Just even if they, you know, my brother or sister needed it or not, you know? So um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that because I mean, they're building a family business. So at some point you have to invest in the next generation below so you can continue the business on because obviously, you know, he's not going to be here forever. So um, you have to build that foundation and have, you know, your backups there. So no, I don't think so. At all. I don't think it was offensive at all. Yeah. And I just didn't, they're just, those kids are just, they're just selfish assholes. Well, I see this season with them ending one way and that is with Andre getting that hundred thousand dollars so that they can save the family business and not have the conflict anymore and I just think ultimately Andre is going to get what he wants and this was just the end means like one way or another one way or another all of these shows are so good and this is what I was saying too you got to get discovery plus because there's the there's one called Caribbean life, which is just like it's a 90 day story. Yeah. It's just, it's just 90 day fiance, but it's just, you know, Only focused time. on like four couples who are in the Caribbean and it's just the same level of stupid bullshit. Every time I don't, I just, if you, if you take any two people and you put them on like an Island or in a room together and then you're like, you know, you have 90 days to get married or whatever. I just, I'll watch it. I'll watch anything where you, put the pressure on these people have you watched like love at first flight no but i've watched um 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 uh mary what's the other one where they married at first sight first sight yeah Yeah. so i haven't seen the most recent uh but they're all they're all every my god just the 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 standards and expectations of relationships now just is just such a mess so i i am a hundred percent on board with all of these, these uh, all of these trashy shows, and I told myself I got out of the Real Housewives um, fandom, and so I've just hopped on all of these relationships one now. And I, I told myself I was going to stop watching reality TV, but you just it just reels you in, you get stuck in it. So. This makes me feel good about myself. Like I feel like I'm. I, I highly recommend Love at First Flight though, because it's it's. They took couples and they make them like travel together. Cause you know, they always say if you can survive traveling together in a couple, then your relationship will make it. And man, it was it was pretty absurd. It's it's a highly recommended one. Any final comments, babe? Oh yeah. You me and my ex. Yeah, it's 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 like couples who like live with or are still best friends with their ex and are also in a new relationship. Like so my life is I watch sports and then I watch reality television. And then sometimes I work also, but like, this is like what I do. We watch way too much of this crap. We really do. I love a mama's boy, it's coming up. Yeah, I love a mama's boy, <laughs> smothered. We watch, we watch all these things, well, especially, sisters. yeah. Well, especially <laughs> since the pandemic started, it's like, and now I have a job working remote. And so it's just like, we're just like, do you want to watch this horrible reality show? It's only eight episodes and we have nothing to do today. And you just end up consuming entire seasons of so much garbage. Like, 
we use them as relationship therapy a lot yeah. too. Like honestly, it helps us work out our own problems because we're like, look at these people's problems. Our problems are not that bad. We don't need to fight over that. Like it works about very well. It's all about perspectives. So. It it is so much. Well, I just thank you so much for coming on and wasting time talking about basketball <laughs> and reality television and whatever else. Do you have any final comments on any of your favorite or least favorite people that you wanted to jab oh, before gosh. I let you go? I, like I said, we could talk for hours about it, but um, I, I'm, I'm hoping we can do this again soon. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely, it took way too long to, to get you on, so we won't we won't make that happen again for sure. We'll make it we'll make it happen again quicker, definitely. Now that now that I've finally recovered enough to record again on a regular basis, like I've I'm coming out of my recording coma. I took a month, like I literally was like I'm not talking about it. I had one friend who was like I'm coming on the show, and he knows who he is. He was like I'm gonna talk trash, and I was like Oh, I'm busy today, unfortunately. Oh, it's so <laughs> terrible. Oh. And then one day I asked him to come on and he was like, I'm recording another show today. I was like, oh, so terrible. I can't believe. So I made sure to record that day so that I didn't get his slander on. So I'm really, uh, I'm really deceptive with the way I book guests. So it always goes my way. So <laughs> in any case, thank you again for yeah. coming on. I appreciated all the information. And yeah, definitely. I hope we can talk soon. <clears throat> and uh, hopefully, yeah, your season gets going again so you can coach soon in the future. Definitely, definitely. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a good rest of the day. It was my pleasure. You too. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. And that is The Blunt Doctor Show. We are going to continue pretty soon. I'm going to have uh, picks up for the NFL regular season for over-under. Uh, probably going to go through teams by division, uh, have a look at them, what I like, what I don't like, things like that. Be coming up with um, more NBA stuff, too. Um, I'm going to have to catch up on some of the things I've missed as I've been too busy uh, watching other garbage because I can't quite handle NBA just yet. It takes some time when you when you come out of the, the finals coma. Until next time, peace to you and yours. Be safe and have a pleasant 2021. Let's get back to recording more often. How about that?